Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. It's your boys, Rusty Ellis, Kyle Lynch. And today, we're talking about one of our most hyped games of the year. If you know either one of us, you'll know that we are both huge Far Cry fans. Today, we're talking Far Cry 6. And Kyle, I think the first thing we need to talk about is just the sheer fucking scale of this game. Because it's huge. Yeah, this game was massive. Definitely way bigger than all the previous Far Cry installments. And I thought I thought Far Cry 5 was pretty big. I was, you know, thinking that there's a lot of guns, there's a lot of vehicles in Far Cry 5. How could they ever top this? And boy, did they do it. They went so over the top with this game. I mean, the amount of assault rifles is so insane. There are, there's a, I had to scroll down because there's an entire list it is, there are so many weapons, so many vehicles, so much in this, and I gotta say, some of the Far Cry environments have been my favorite to look at in gaming, and this just went right up there with Far Cry 4 as one of my favorite environments, because it is just so gorgeous to see, you know, the different mixtures of you've got your open waters, your islands, and, you know, your big heavy jungle areas. You've got your open grasslands. It's all over the place. You've, yeah, it's... There is, there is so much to explore in this game, and I absolutely loved every second of it. Like, this, this game really focused heavily on exploration, and... I really, really enjoy the fact that they did that because in other Far Cry games, it's always been a thing to go around and to find the collectibles and to, you know, get all the weapons and stuff. But in this game, they had uh, they had different gun crates around, which usually before in Far Cry games, you could find a couple guns here and there and, you know... Uh, you could find some clothing here and there, but most of it was bought from shops, or it was found during special missions or treasure hunts, and this, there were so many guns in this game that they just stuck random crates around the map with guns in them, and every time you open it, you get a random gun, or they also have armory crates where every time you open it, you get a random piece of clothing, because there is just so much to customize your character with that you'll probably never make it through all the options. Real. I, I will say this, and this is this kind of goes back into the environment. I think that this is the most creative Ubisoft has been with a Far Cry game. I want to say since Far Cry Three, this is the most creative they've been. Again, you mentioned just the different levels or the different areas. I mean, you mentioned the jungles, the grasslands, the villages, the cities, the towns. Uh, being out on the open open water. I mean, it, there's so much creativity packed into this game. And it, it goes even further when you look at the different, you know, armor and accessories you can equip to, you know, your character. I like that there was kind of a deeper approach there. And, yes. you know, Ubisoft has tried this with Assassin's Creed. Personally, it didn't land with me when they tried it with that franchise. I felt like they overcomplicated everything. This feels like the happy medium, though. Yes, to some people, you could call this a little overcomplicated, but I would also argue this is less complex than Far Cry 5 when it came to character character customization. I thought Far Cry 5 went off the deep end and really just kind of lost what made the games great. I like the fact that we return to a named protagonist here. And yeah, you choose whether you play as the male or the female, and me and Kyle obviously have seen both sides of that. 
So I think that that was what was missing in Far Cry 5 as well, and I've said this before, that Far Cry 5 is a good game that has issues. One of the biggest issues is that it's a silent protagonist, and I think the days of silent protagonists outside of fully-fledged RPGs like Skyrim, I feel like those days are behind us, and I feel like we need to either have named protagonists or there needs to be voice acting of some kind because when it's a silent protagonist, it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of that character. That's just me, though. But I like that there was a lot of creativity here, and I think that that's something that Ubisoft should be praised for. Oh, yes, 100% with the Far Cry 5 thing. Like, it definitely makes sense because, you know, it's funny. They were trying to go for a more of put yourself in their shoes kind of thing by saying, oh, look, you create this character and they have no name because they're basically you. But I've never felt more detached from a character in a game because it's not about them, you know, feeling like me. It's about me feeling like them. It's about me being in this you know, new world in this new, you know, environment with these new people and taking on this story of someone who is not me. Because if I wanted to play as some dude who works a nine to five desk job, um, I'd go play work simulator, uh, from nine to five. (laughs) I, (laughs) I loved the fact that they went back to a named protagonist and the voice acting in this game was phenomenal. I loved all the characters, most notably Giancarlo Esposito as Anton Castillo. What a fantastic job. Absolutely a fantastic job by Giancarlo Esposito. He Anton Castillo uh might be one of might be my new favorite Far Cry villain. He was fantastic. That's the thing about Far Cry games. I think me and you will agree on this. That's what makes a Far Cry game a Far Cry game is the villain. You need a great villain. Going all the way back to Far Cry 2 with the Jackal. I mean, there's there's great villains that are known from each of these. So Far Cry 2, the Jackal. A character that people still believe is alive today in this in this universe and that we'll we could potentially see him and we'll get to that later. Uh, but then you have Voss in Far Cry 3, you have Pagan Men in Far Cry 4, Joseph Seed was a good villain in 5, Anton Castillo is up there with all of those characters, and might even be above them all, because for somebody who spent has spent most of his acting career playing the villain, I think this might be uh, Esposito's best work. I think it might be, considering the villains he's played. Obviously, if you're a big Breaking Bad fan, you'll recognize him from there, and he was fantastic in that show. Uh, he's in the Mandalorian as Moff Gideon. There, there's so many other roles that he's had that he's great as the villain, but this felt like definitive Giancarlo Esposito. So I think that that was where, when I knew this was going to be a great game was when he was introduced as the villain so many months ago before the game was released. When the game first got revealed, I remember we were both excited that he was the villain. Oh yeah. You know, I'm just now having a realization as we're recording this in Far Cry 3, um, pretty much within the intro of the game, you see Voss kill someone in Far Cry 4. Um, literally, as soon as you arrive, uh, Pagan Min gets off his chopper and shoots someone in Far Cry 5. Joseph Seed literally takes down an entire helicopter and kills everybody inside. But in Far Cry 6, I don't think you ever see Anton Castillo kill a single person. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't think of a single cutscene. He tortures, but I I think that you're right. I wow, 
I you're like right. he actually he is not the one that gets his hands dirty. Wow, you're right. Holy cow. I can't believe that, that we just realized that. Yeah, like <laughs> that's pretty crazy. <laughs> He is one of, like, I feel the most calm and collected, coordinated villains. Because Voss was kind of, he was kind of a hothead. And, you know, Pagan Min, I felt like he was a little bit more, he was a little bit more collected. But he had a temper, as we saw within, you know, the beginning of Far Cry 4. Dude, he just straight up shot somebody because he got mad. And then in Far Cry 5, Joseph Seed was just crazy. He was definitely calm and collected, but this man was killing people left and right. But Anton Castillo was very different because of one very... And I, I won't go too much into detail because I think this scene should be experienced on your own. It's the interview scene. They showed a piece of it during the trailer... And I think the acting in that scene was so phenomenal. But there was a part where Anton Castillo is talking about how the drug that he is creating is curing cancer. And yeah, and people who are surviving cancer, people who are being treated, don't care where this drug is coming from. And in that moment, it really gives you a whole different perspective of, you know, the the costs and the benefits of what's happening here. And it really makes you, you know, see him as maybe he's not just this crazed murderer like Voss, like Pagan Man, like Joseph Seed. He has a vision, and yes, the way he wants to go about it is dirty. The way he is doing things is morally wrong but his intent is not chaos his intent is not just to just to kill everyone and it's so different for for far cry i i love it i agree and that's the the thing that makes it even better is that he's such a dynamic villain you know he, it's not like a marvel like marvel in the mcu lately has really landed with villains that are more kind of sympathetic or, or or easy to sympathize and empathize with. That you understand like where they're coming from. That what they're doing is bad, but you kind of understand their their logic and their their motivation behind it. I think that in this one is that there's a great point brought up at one point that when it comes to creating a drug that could cure cancer, ultimately when that drug is created, will the methods ever be questioned? It's a great a great speaking point that is brought up at some point in this game. And I, I, I like that in Far Cry, one of the craziest franchises of all time, there's a logical argument there. In, in, when great things are accomplished and it benefits the free world, are the methods ever really questioned? Do you, do you question how you got there? And I like that it's brought up that ultimately the answer most of the time is no. Nobody questions how you got there. They just see that you got there. This is the result. And I, I like that in Far Cry, one of the craziest, most insane franchises of all time, that that got brought up. But we're getting a, I'm, I'm getting off topic. That's a discussion for a whole other day. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the story and uh, more specifically the character you play as. So you play as Danny Rojas. Again, you can choose the male or female version. I chose the female. Kyle chose the male because apparently he likes robotic voice acting. <laughs> but uh, 
But I thought that Danny was a really good protagonist. I actually thought that both ways, it was a really believable protagonist as somebody that just wanted to leave Yara. She had no, he, she, Danny had no, you know, interest in becoming a part of this revolution, had no interest in, you know, in getting involved. They were just trying, Danny was just trying to get to Miami. That was the goal, was just to get out of Yara, get to the United States, create a new life there. Danny then gets sucked into, you know, this revolution, this revolution with uh, Libertad, the, the Garillas. I, I'm, I'm, we're I'm, we're going to get blasted for how we're pronouncing stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. We're two white guys that are trying to pronounce this as best as we can, so just bear with us. Um, but I personally like Danny. I liked, I liked their story. I liked, uh, and I liked the idea of, of kind of, you see that relationship between Danny and Libertad change throughout the game. About how, you know, you start off, you're not so sure about what you're doing, if you even have a chance to be successful as as Garillas. And by the end, you fully bought in. And I liked seeing that growth over time. I liked seeing that, that evolution. Kyle, what did you think about that? I loved it. I thought that when when Danny was saying to declare that he was going to leave after she gave him a boat and you know uh which by the way you do get that option and there's a secret ending if any of you like to uh would like to explore that but it, it was funny because you see a lot of hesitation when he's given the boat and it's a really pivotal character moment very early on in the game where he makes that decision of you know he's looking freedom in the face he could take this boat and leave and never look back but he decides to stay and help these people. And it really brings in some character depth there because, you know, obviously they could have just made the game five minutes where you just take the boat to Miami. There you go. It's Far Cry 5. Thanks for uh, paying 60 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, it was dead. I mean, we all knew that he was going to stay and help or she was going to stay and help. But it was just so interesting that this one wasn't a... You know, oh, these people came to attack our our city or our, our state or our country, so we're going to fight them off. It's, you know, these people have been making it hell, and I want to leave. And, you know, in the very, very beginning of the game, Danny has their mind made up. They are going to leave. And one conversation with Clara changes the whole thing, and it was so, so interesting to see you know, how they approached uh, the conflict in this game as opposed to other Far Cry games. I think that the individual areas were very, very unique the way that you could basically choose who you want to go after, kind of kind of how you could in Far Cry 5. However, there's a lot more story elements in this, I feel, and Rusty and I believe that there's a specific order things should be done in to make the most sense. And first off is going after Jose. Now, yeah, I agree. I, I think that, and I'll let, I'll let you take the lead on that, but I think that we do need to elaborate a little bit. When the game opens up, you know, it gives you the option of three gigantic areas you can go to to recruit people to Libertad. Uh, and you can you have the freedom to go go wherever you want first, but based on the storytelling, and I know we both think this, there's 100 percent a correct order to go. Yes. So Kyle, you said going after Jose um, and and recruiting the Mo is it the Monteros? Is that who? Yeah, I think yeah, I think the Monteros are first. Yeah, yeah, recruiting them first is 100 percent the, uh, the the right way to go. First. 
Oh yeah, and there's there there's also uh there's a there's a key point uh with this specific area and the specific guys. Uh Jose is one of the only like legitimate boss fights in the game, and we feel it was done really well. Um I really liked all the interactions that you have with each individual villain and uh Jose specifically, um there's a, a scene after you've caused enough ruckus in his area. There's a scene where Anton and Diego are out hunting. And uh, Anton is teaching uh, Diego how to shoot. And so they're shooting uh, uh, birds. And Diego keeps missing. And so uh, Jose comes over and snatches the gun out of Diego's hand. And he shoots the bird. And Instead of being impressed and chastising Diego for not being as competent as one of his top generals, he instead chastises Jose and says, you shouldn't have done this. You killed my son's bird. Now run. And Jose kind of looks at him for a second and he says, run. And then he starts running and Diego shoots him. Now he doesn't die, of course, but... I thought it was so interesting because I was I was totally expecting this relationship between Anton and Diego to be extremely toxic to be like and and part of it is but yeah, part, of it is. part of it is you see this father-son relationship as hardcore as it is there are some parts where you can feel that Anton wants Diego to really be this ruler who's going to take over his country because he's you know, not looking for a yes man. He wants Diego, his son, to really be the next Anton. And he, it feels like Anton has, you know, real connection with Diego. It actually feels like they're real characters, that they're not just, you know, robots who work together. That relationship, honestly, is the driving force behind this story. Because exactly what you said. It really, it really does kind of subvert everything you think it's going to be. It really doesn't play out the way, you know, for the most part that you think it's going to play out. In fact, uh, as someone who is considered a dictator and is considered ruthless, Anton actually gives Diego a lot of leash in this game to speak his mind and to give his thoughts on things. And yes, obviously there's a path Anton wants him to go down, but... It was very interesting to me, especially when you get to like the torture scene where you know you come face to face with Anton Castillo for the first time as Danny. Um, it's very interesting the reaction Castillo has to Diego when he defends Danny. It's very interesting to see all of that play out. Yes. I think that that relationship is the driving force uh, behind this story, and I really like that. Now, let's talk about probably the biggest negative in the game. Or one of the biggest. There's there's a couple issues. It's not a perfect game. Uh, the first area that you know you go to, you know, you recruit the Monteros, you go after Jose, you eventually kill him, and then you get them recruited. Uh, that area is at most about four hours long, and that's pretty reasonable. I think. I think that if every area had been four hours long, that'd be a very reasonable length. Uh, the problem is, is when you go after the other two factions that you want to recruit. Both of those areas are close to eight hours of gameplay each. And yeah. there's two villains in each area that you need to take down, pretty much. Um, now, we love the game. The game is fantastic. But 
the pacing at this point is where it, it kind of drops off a little. Because when you go after the Legends of 67 and you end up going after El Moral along with them, uh, it just feels like the game slows down to a halt. Not yes. because the story isn't good and not because the characters aren't interesting, but because you 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 take down the first person in this area that you're supposed to take down, and there's this celebration, this party, and you're like, okay, good. That's two areas down. Let's go to the third. And then you find out you're only halfway through that area after about four or five hours of gameplay. Yeah. And that's a little frustrating. Just a little frustrating, right, Kyle? Oh yeah. When I when I uh when I found out that I was gonna have a whole other, you know, uh, uh, sub villain to go after. When I, I was pretty sure I was done in both sections, you know, like the first one was McKay, the second one was the Doctor. It felt like I should have, like I should have ended after I killed, um, what was his name? I know who you're talking about. Are you talking about uh, not Benitez? the other person? Yes, yes. After I killed, after I killed Admiral Benitez, I should have. I should have been done there, and after I killed, um, what was her name, Maria? Uh, Maria, yeah. Yeah, that, it, I should have been done there, I felt like I had explored that area so much, I didn't, I've done so many missions in this area, I felt like I should have moved on, but they wanted to just keep dragging it out, and what I also really didn't like was how it wasn't until, like, after the first, you know, villain in that area was killed that they introduced the second one. Like, why not introduce them both to begin with and then say, hey, you can go after each of them. You know, if, if you're going to have... Yeah. I think that uh, the one that I had the bigger issue with that was the Doctor because he had almost not been brought up at all. Yeah! He at least had been mentioned when Clara was first telling you about that area. McKay was at least mentioned. And we had a cutscene with him with Benitez. We did have that as well. I, I, the, with the doctor in the third area, it just came out of nowhere. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I ding a lot of games for this, and I'll ding this as well. It just felt like kind of padding the runtime a little bit. You know, I think I ended up putting in about 26 hours on the game uh, before I took a break from it. And that was beating the main story, doing some co-op with you, which we'll talk about the co-op, because the co-op's really good. Uh, but... <sighs> It just it felt kind of out of nowhere, especially with the Doctor. And with McKay, you know, I'll give you a spoiler alert, there's really no payoff because you end up getting the choice of killing him, not killing him, wounding him. And the game almost punishes you if you kill him when that's been your goal the whole time. Because if you kill him, you get like a weapon trinket. If you don't kill him, you get you get currency in the game. Like, you almost get punished for killing him when yeah. that's been your goal the whole time. It makes no sense to me. And then the bigger issue with all of these kind of sub-bosses is that it's just that. They're sub-bosses without the boss part. Yeah. There's no boss fight. Anton, or not Anton, Jose Castillo is the only boss fight in this game, and there is a very high chance he is the first person you'll go after. Oh, I don't yeah. know how I feel about that because every other person gets killed in a cutscene. It feels like. Yeah, I. And I just, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. How do you feel about that, Kyle? I was not a fan of the fact that all these villains, all these subvillains, died in cutscenes. Like, even in Far Cry Five, where the boss fights were awful, aside from Faith's, 
at least yep. they were boss fights. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know how, how, how much simpler I can make it. Like, the fact that those characters did not die in cutscenes means that, I hate to say it, but it, it means that their villains had a better ending because I hated the fact, I mean, like, I thought that these villains were so much, like, they, they had so much more character, they were so much deeper, so much more three-dimensional than Far Cry 5's villains. But almost all of them, I watched die in cutscenes, and that is so boring. I'm sorry, but it is. It's extremely boring, because why am I going after these people if I could just look it up on YouTube? Why am I going after these people if there's no strategy to taking them down? Like, what's what's the point of putting in bosses if you don't have a boss fight? I mean, every video game... It, in history, you know, has had a, a pretty clear and cut. You have a protagonist, you have a villain. The villain needs to beat the protagonist, end game. And when you're beating the protagonist part involves you not touching the controller at all and watching a cutscene, that's not very good game design, in my opinion. And I just, uh, that's my that's my biggest negative, honestly, is the entire the entirety of the sub-bosses, there's just so many complaints within them that the fact that they were in-depth characters doesn't hold enough weight to make me praise them overall. Yeah, I think the other issue is that Anton Castillo is such a great villain that all the sub-bosses, all the sub-villains kind of feel very lackluster. Yeah! Because of that. And you could say the same, you know, you mentioned Far Cry 5 with, uh, with you know, Joseph Seed being a really good villain, but the Seed, his, his siblings... Outside of Faith, John and Jacob C were both really uninteresting, and their boss Very. fights both suck. They were absolutely terrible. Oh yeah. Um, I just don't feel like I didn't. I, I obviously I didn't like these villains, you know, because they were assholes. I mean, ultimately that's the way it comes down to: is they're asshats. Right, right. And you don't like them because of that. But I found myself not liking the villains because they just weren't memorable. They weren't very good. Like I, uh, it, it to me. It felt like you could have cut down on the sub-villains by half, and the game wouldn't have lost much outside of a little bit on the runtime, which I would have been okay with. Because the game's already big enough as a whole. You don't need to pad the runtime of this game. It's yeah, huge. you really don't. Another thing I, I just remembered. Remember um, the guy who, uh, during, the, uh, during the torture scene, Diego shot that guy. It was like Anton's right-hand man. He just yeah, shot and killed yeah. him. Yeah, I thought he was going to be like, you know, the the secondary big boss that you have to kill before you go after Castillo. I thought, because they were kind of making him out to be like this big baddie. And again, in a cutscene, completely out of nowhere, Diego just fucking shoots him in the head. And I was like blown away. Now, it was a really good shock factor because I don't think that anybody saw that shit coming. Absolutely. But right after, I was like, so that means I'm not going to get to fight him. That means, hey, you know, essentially, he could have not existed and the story would have been the same. Because I, th I think that that moment of Diego shooting him, I think that was supposed to be a big moment for Diego. Like, oh, look, you just got blood on your hands. You know, you've killed someone. But it doesn't really affect that much of the story at all because outside of that scene... It's never talked about again. It's never, you know, like, there's there's one audio clip where you'll talk to um, somebody. 
I, I think you talked to Juan about it, yeah. But other than that, the, they literally don't talk about it. There was no point in ever introducing that character because he just got killed by Diego, and there was no ramifications for it. Nothing changed, and they didn't even have a big, in you know, deep character moment about it. He was just like, well, you killed him, and we're going to let Danny go free. Yeah. I, I wish we could have either gotten him as you know a, a big villain that we could have fought or he would have just never been introduced at all yep i can't help but feel that was a wasted villain for sure now the big the other issue that's a really kind of a big issue and it's it mainly comes up in like the third area we'll talk about that next uh there's just kind of some moments that i'm like did this really need to be the case did this really need to happen there's one scene um you know I've, we've mentioned the legends of 67 a little bit and how you go and you recruit them for for Libertad, you recruit El Morale, another group, another, you know, revolutionary group. You know, you recruit them to your side as well. Well, then you go after this group called the Matanzas, and they are essentially a rap group that does a lot in terms of propaganda, protest, stuff like that. Well, there's one mission where you hack into, I think it's like this big setup with like a bunch of speakers. You hack, I think it's Maria's house you go to, or her mansion yeah, yeah. you go to. And you essentially hack into her speakers, and they put on this quote-unquote like concert, and you have to fight off all these enemies while they're doing it. And this section goes on for like twenty-five minutes, Ooh. and it is overbearingly too long. Way and too long. I think what's worse, we just we discovered this, Kyle. When you do it in co-op, we killed the enemies so quickly. That they stopped spawning, and we had to sit there just to the end of the song, not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, like, we it's really did. Pointless. Like it just—it felt. I don't want to call it silly, but that's what it felt like. It felt very, very like kind of off-putting that this is what we're doing now. Like, yeah, really? like it's—it's. It's, I don't know. I—I I didn't think that that really fit, fit all that well. Yeah, like, in you know, in Far Cry games, there's always going to be, like, some level of wackiness. There's going to be some level of, you know, you have to, uh, you have to kind of suspend belief because it's not super realistic. These games, you know, they're, they're not as crazy as just cause, but they are, you know, they have a, a certain uh, level of craziness to them, but this... It was too much for me because this game has a very serious tone to it. As, as you know, as goofy as some of these characters are, and as well as some of these jokes land, the tone of this game is very serious. And a lot of these cutscenes, uh, you know, it really talks about some deep stuff. And I felt like in the middle of a civil war, why would somebody put on a big ass concert to nobody like there was nobody if if there was at least like a crowd gathering we had to protect them then that makes sense but the whole point of the concert was to get word out about the revolution or whatever nobody showed up but people we were killing so the only people who were at the concert were dead like yeah, for real. the whole the whole premise behind that even if you were trying to make you were trying to make it practical. The people who were gonna hear that were miles away. Nobody showed up. There was no realistic like it it just didn't make sense. And you know, it was just it was it was way too it was way too much for me. And I felt like they were just trying too hard to connect with younger people because they were 
I felt like that entire group of characters was aimed at a younger audience, at like kind of a teenager, young adult audience, because they were acting super, you know, I guess whatever the whatever the fuck kids want to say is hip. Um, <laughs> it was TikTok dances. Yeah, it was kind of it, it was kind of cringy to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just it, I just didn't like it. I did not like their characters. I just I felt like. That it was because that whole scene really was just so cringy, dude. I hated it so much. And then we just sat there for like three minutes while that song just went on and on. And we just sat there literally just waiting for it to end so we could get another cutscene. Awful, dude. I, I did not like it. But all of that aside, the main villain, Anton Castillo. What... What an incredible villain. What an incredible all-around. I I think he is the best part of this game. And uh, so about midway through the game, you find out that, or I would say about three-fourths through, you find out that uh, Anton has cancer, that he is sick. Yep. And so he's really trying to prep Diego to become the next ruler of Yara because... Anton is going to die soon, so he's already made up his mind. That's why I feel like he's such a calm and collected character, is because he's already going to die. He, it doesn't matter if it's by a bullet or if his cancer finally kills him. The clock has already begun ticking on him, and his days are numbered. It's so incredible to see someone take a character in a video game and really bring them to life the way that Anton Castillo was. And I'll let Rusty take it from here, but everything up until the final boss fight was just so insanely, you know, deep. Every scene with him was so real, was so menacing. And and then the, the final the final scene was so, it's, it's so good. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and talk. <laughs> I think that for me, where the story really turned from good to great was when you meet up with Clara and she says that Anton Castillo has, you know, requested an audience with you. Yes. He requested, you know, for you to sit down with him. And, you know, Danny is very, very skeptical and it's like, I don't know. I don't think we should do that. I don't, I don't think we should do that. And Clara brings up this interesting point. You know, you've been kind of conditioned this entire game um, as a Garilla to be violent and to, you know, do whatever's necessary to take control. Well, Clara brings the idea out that, you know, Libertad was never about unseating, you know, quote unquote, true yarns from fake yarns. It was about learning to coexist. And I think that there's a deep, deep message there that could be applied to the real world, but this is side mission, not CNN and not Fox news. So we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, my parents are gonna love that anyway, that was good <laughs> but, but um it's a really interesting uh turn because obviously clara at this point i think clara in that cutscene accepts the fact that if she does this she is likely going to die that it is likely a trap and it is likely not going to work out in her favor so she goes off, has the, has the meeting with him. Uh, Danny and Juan, you know, get onto Castillo's private island where the meeting is taking place. She sneaks in, Danny does, and, or, you know, depending on if you chose the male version, he. Uh, Danny sneaks in, and they're just at the dinner table. Anton, Anton, Diego, and Clara are just at the dinner table. Anton tells her, you know, tells Danny to sit down. 
And, and I love this scene because the entire game, Anton and Diego have both been, you know, playing essentially this game of like truth or lies, you know, you know, and yes, the other yes. person, you know, says truth or lies, the other person says one of them, and you know, that cutscene kind of plays out from there. And this entire scene, it gets explained, you know, by Anton that oh, you know, my grandmother had a rule at the dinner table: no lies in my table. So whenever Danny says something that. Anton doesn't believe he gets viciously angry and it just screams no lies at my table. And it's just, it's so tense. You feel like something is about to go wrong and something does go wrong because this entire time Juan has been perched up on kind of this over overlook and has a sniper rifle. And when he can't get a decent shot on Anton, he then begins to aim at Diego. Danny stops it. But in the process, Anton kills Clara. So it, it, it's it's a moment that you kind of felt was coming. Yes, that so was that was a heavy scene. Oh, it hit hard. It hit hard because Clara has been this unkillable machine the entire game. This the 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 driving force of Libertad, and just in one second, dead, just gone. Yeah. And you finally you 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 have the final assault on on you know. The, you know, the capital of Yara, you, you go into, you know, the building where Anton is, you ride the elevator up to the top, and it looks like everything is going to play out, and it's going to be a happy ending, and, you know, Anton's going to come quietly, Diego will, and will learn to be a good ruler, uh, working along with Libertad, and, you know, they, they do the truth or lies thing, and I think that was the exact moment where I was like, well, Diego's fucked. He's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Anton brings him in for a hug and he says lies and he shoots him. And then he proceeds to kill himself. Yeah, that was that was such when I just said that, that silence, that was my reaction when it happened. That was that dude, that I I gasped. I openly gasped i did not see that coming because i thought i thought that uh uh castillo was gonna make one last attack and try to kill you but when he shot diego i just stopped and i was like no way and then he pulls out this knife and slits his own throat and i mean like it's just that fast they just he's just they're just dead just like that and you know this game once once you see that scene, it didn't leave me with the feeling of, hell yeah, this dude's dead. That was awesome. It left me with this almost empty pit of what has just happened. Like, I felt bad for Diego. I felt bad that I just came in and just fucked all this shit up. And especially at the end when everybody else was coming in and they were all celebrating, Danny had a completely different reaction than everybody else because they were all talking about how they want Danny to rule Yara and he should be, you know, the new leader and everybody should, you know, follow him. And he says, or or she, you know, whoever you're playing is, say, Danny says, no, I don't want that. You guys take over Yara and don't fuck it up. And it's yeah. it's so different from, you know, like Far Cry 3, for example, where, you know, at the end you have this choice to choose between saving your friends or, you know, what you think is going to end up being total power over the island. And then, you know, 
and Far Cry 4, I felt like Far Cry 4 had probably one of the most satisfying endings in a Far Cry game, depending on the ending you got. But... I agree. It was so peaceful because you're, you know, your entire goal was just to spread your mother's ashes. And when you finally get to do it at the end, you feel like an entire journey completed and it feels good. But at the end of this game, it feels so uncomfortable. If And that, I feel like that's the point. You're not, I feel like that was the point of not having a final boss fight with Castillo and Diego because the point was never to kill them. Like Clara said, the point was to free Yara. Yeah, and I I think that the decision to not have a final boss fight, but have it play out the way it did, I feel like that's acceptable. The way that they did that was definitely okay because the other boss fights should have happened. The entire goal with them was to kill them. But Clara even specifically says the goal was never to kill Castillo. And so he didn't need a final boss fight. The way he went out was incredible. I think that it's one thing that Far Cry games have often struggled with. I think Far Cry 2's got a good ending. Uh, Far Cry 4 has probably got the best ending in the series. And then this one's a really good ending as well. When I say good, I mean it's really well done. Um, but 3 was a very... Ugh, not a great ending. Far Cry 5, the good ending really sucked. And yeah. The bad ending was worse. So I think that it, that was the whole point was for you to realize that, you know, you could do all this work and it could ultimately be for nothing. And Danny learns at the end of this game that it, it was never about, you know, you taking control. And Danny never wanted that. Yes. Never wanted to be in charge. And it was the fact that it felt like everybody was pushing that on them versus what they actually wanted. So I, I thought the ending was really well done. I, I appreciated the ending for what it was. And I think that it's a great ending to the story as a whole. Uh, you know, we've gone on and talked about the story for a while now. One thing we haven't really talked about is the gameplay. Uh, the gameplay in this game is the best it's ever been in the Far Cry series. No doubt. Oh, whatsoever. yeah. Gunplay, driving, uh, aerial commands. Outside of driving planes, the few times you have to do that, did yeah. not enjoy that. But I thought that gameplay-wise, this game was very, very, very tight. I loved the gunplay. The gunplay, probably the best in the entire series. It probably is. I've gone back and played a little bit of Far Cry 4 and Far Cry 3 since then. And I 100% Far Cry 6's gameplay holds up. It's fantastic. And I think, Kyle, I'll let you talk about the co-op. The co-op is really, really freaking good as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, so going back to Far Cry 3, when co-op was first introduced, awful. It was terrible. They had one little game mode you could play co-op in. wasn't even the main story. wasn't even the main island. I hated it. Far Cry 4 introduced real co-op where you couldn't do story missions, but you could do everything else. You could go do side stuff. You could go take down outposts. You could go get collectibles. And that was really, really fun. I had some great times at Far Cry 4 co-op. I loved it. Far Cry 5, they finally bridged the gap where you can play the entire game co-op, story and everything. But Far Cry 5 had a lot of issues. And this game polished that co-op so well. I mean, the my only complaint with it was this bug where if you're the person joining another person's game, there are two things. 
One, if you airdrop in a new area, you will not be able to see the the objective for 30 seconds so it basically makes airdrop useless because if i can't even see where i'm going 30 seconds is a long time for me to just be wingsuiting by that time i'm going to be at the ground way before i can ever make my objective because it has to show you this it brings up this stupid screen where it shows you the area that you're in then it has to show you the sub area you're in then it has to show you the city you're in and then your hud opens up that was dumb, and the second part was when you would get into a vehicle, if you're not the one hosting the game, that vehicle continues to flip and turn and fly and rumble, but in the person hosting the game, they're just driving like normal. It is the weirdest glitch, but like you can just be driving down a straight road, and the person in co-op is just seeing crazy shit, cars flipping on their screen, but the person driving, no problem. I had this happen so much when I was playing... But other than that, I think the co-op was so great. I I loved it. it. It didn't feel super buggy or glitchy aside from the car thing. You know, when I when we were taking down, you know, outposts together, when we were going, you know, and doing missions together, everything worked the way it was supposed to work. We were able to kill enemies without, you know, any sweat. It really, really felt like the best Far Cry co-op has ever been, and I honestly think that right here is the perfect, you know, uh, area for them to stay in. They don't need to, if, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And it was broken, and they fixed it, so don't fix it again. A hundred percent, that is true. I, I'm with you, Far Cry 3's co-op, God. That was like a separate story altogether, and the stupid part of all of it is that it literally had no connection to the main game whatsoever. Yeah. It had no connection at all. So, I think that this 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 game knocked co-op co out of the park i like the fact that and I, I like that you know you i don't know if you mentioned it or not but i like that in cutscenes, you saw the version of danny that you were playing at with like yes. how you customized them how, what armor and what you know apparel they were wearing i loved that i was like okay this is this this keeps the immersion, even though you're seeing two Dannys on screen at one time. Yes. Uh, in gameplay, this keeps the immersion if you're playing the entire story co-op, and I like that. Yes. Instead of forcing you into the, the you know into the footsteps of uh, the host. Yeah. So I think that that as a whole, really really well done. Loved the gameplay, and I loved the co-op as well. It was a and lot of fun, a lot of chaotic fun, but it was fun. Think about the processing power it takes to do that as well to show two people the same cutscene. And have two completely separate characters. Another thing showcasing the PS5's capability. Because not only does this game look incredible. But I mean like all the little details like that right there. Like the fact that you see your own character in co-op. Dude, this was not achievable on previous consoles. And I, I gotta praise them. that the, the fact that they added that little detail. They didn't have to. But the fact that they did. Definitely noticed it. And it definitely was appreciated. And I don't even want to know what this game looked like on, like, a PS4. Oh, no. Because I'm sure it probably doesn't run as well as it ran on, like, the PS5 or the Series XS. Um, and it, it didn't even run that great on PC either. Like, that was the thing. It didn't run great on PC. In fact, there were a lot of issues with the PC port as a whole. So uh, we're not going to get into that, though. But as far as Game of the Year goes, uh, loved this game. I do think that right now, for me, it slots in at the third best game of the year. 
behind Deathloop and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart still. I will say that it still falls behind those two games for me. Uh, but I think number three, I mean, if you're the third best game that came out in a year, that's typically pretty freaking good, especially when yeah. you get the two that are in front of you. So that is a, going to wrap up our episode on Far Cry 6. That is going to be the end of this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. He's Kyle. I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening. You think they're gone? I think they're gone. So now we can talk about that uh, that post credit scene. Let's talk about that real quick. So Ooh, boy. that was, that was mind blowing. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Could you? Have, I, I don't know if you had, if you had told what, what grade was I? At? I think I was a junior at that time. If you had told junior and high school Rusty that fucking Voss will come back in Far Cry Six, holy crap! Yeah blew my mind this is a prequel in all the best ways and i love it i yeah dad so after you beat the game the credits roll and there's a there's no actual cutscene. um the, the screen goes blank or black and there's just uh audio clips but it's juan talking to some guy called the smuggler who if you played far cry 3 will recognize the voice as Voss, and as you know, a lot of people know there's a DLC coming out where you're going to get to play as some villain characters. And I have a theory that, well, I guess Rusty and I both share this theory, that this is a prequel to other Far Cry installments. And somehow Voss was connected with the characters in Yara. So we could potentially see a return of Voss in, a, you know, in the next game or... You know, we could end up seeing other characters from other Far Cry games come in, kind of like how in, you know, like Far Cry 2 and 3 and 4, you've got, uh, you know, uh, or Far Cry 3, 4, and 5 has the character Herc, and, you know, there's some companions that stay, but villains have never spanned across multiple Far Cry games, except for the Jackal, if you're if you believe in that theory, which hit us up on Twitter if you are. But this is, <laughs> this is so cool that they're bringing back one of the greatest Far Cry villains of all time. One of the greatest video game villains of all time, too, man. Voss is a timeless villain. I, w I could play through Far Cry 3 so many times just because of him. The yes. fact that he's somehow connected to Yara and they found a way to use that in this story. Whew, what, what an incredible, incredible, incredible little twist there at the end for anybody that was paying attention. Just like you did if you listened to the end of this credit scene because now the episode is actually over.